Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Today I'm joined with Aaron Williams, who's a worship leader, songwriter, author, and co-founder. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host here, Tyler Brondike. And I'm excited for today's conversation. I speak with Aaron Williams, who's an author, songwriter, worship leader, musician, and a founder as well. And so I'm excited because we talk about all things worship. As you can tell, Aaron is certainly involved with writing music, but also has a new book too, Hold the Life-Changing Power of Relating to God with All of Yourself. So we talk about bringing all of ourself, not just part of ourself, into, into worship and really just into connection and intimacy with God. And so we talk about several tensions, head and heart, um, saint and sinner, and all the different tensions that we uh, hold to, believe, operate in, and how we connect and relate to God. And so I'm excited for this conversation today and pray that it's edifying and helps you understand more about your identity and how you connect with God. And so without further ado, here's my conversation with Aaron. Thank you, Tyler. Wonderful to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, you have some exciting projects. Would love to talk about the, the book um, which is, uh, it's out now, it's been out since January, Whole, The Life-Changing Power of Relating to God with All of Yourself. Um, so congratulations, first, first off. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm so glad it's finally out. Uh, as any author will tell you, it's a long process, so it's just been mm-hmm. a real joy for it to finally be out into the world. I know, absolutely. I know it's a, it's a bit of a long haul between the, the writing, the editing, the back and forth. And yeah, then the, the, and then the promotion and they kind of let get it out there. So it's certainly a good endeavor, though. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And so would love to kind of we can get there in a moment. But just to kind of orient folks, you you know, I know you're a musician. You've been involved yep. in worship and just kind of that that space for some time. Would you just kind of orient our listeners into your background with Dwell Ministries, what Dwell is, what you guys are all about and what you've yep. been up to for for quite some time before uh, getting into writing? Yeah, for sure. Well, um, thanks for having me and asking that question. I'm originally from Arkansas and been there my whole life. I now reside in Dallas, Texas. Um, The short version, I was on church staff at a church in Arkansas called Fellowship Bible Church. Wonderful place for almost 12 years. And along that journey, about halfway, we launched a conference called Dwell that was um, just intended to be a conference. And it was kind of our church was uh, a like I think a a lot like many churches in that we offered very specific kind of event based conferences or whatever, you know, a men's event, a women's event, a parenting event, almost like topical. And our pastor and elders came to us and said, hey, we would love to offer some sort of uh, like spiritual renewal event that anyone in our church, like any age range, everybody in our church family could come to it together. would you guys be willing to uh, think about that, dream about that? And uh, ironically, we had already had a lot of ideas and thoughts about that. So we launched this conference that was kind of, we felt like our unique uh, maybe contribution 
was trying to bring together worship and discipleship, um, mission, all, all of it together. We weren't trying to, we were trying to like really go after it and dwell was this idea of just being in God's presence. Hmm. And, uh, long story short, the conference did really well. They asked us to do it four more years. We did it for four more years and it kept producing fruit. We eventually prayed about launching that into a nonprofit, which we did called dwell, uh, this is all with my uh, co-founder, Catherine Mack, who's also co-author on the book. And mm-hmm. the funny part of the story is, uh, you know, after a year's worth of praying, uh, our church commissioned us, had, you know, had us on stage one Sunday morning. The elders came, laid their hands on us, commissioned us out to go and do this work, which Catherine and I were both leaving full-time church staff, you know, the safety of a monthly salary, all of that to, to kind of follow the Lord's leading. Mm-hmm. And that was March 9th, 2020. And the pandemic basically hit the next week. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and all, and all we were at that point was an event based nonprofit with the dreams of kind of multiplying these events. Hmm. And so as you can imagine, you know, we did like everyone else, really, we had to really, pray and pretty quickly uh, do a pivot. And so thankfully we had this idea, people have been telling us for a few years, hey, the content that you guys have been diving into in this conference is so helpful to me. I think you should consider writing a book about it. Hmm. And, you know, when people tell you that you're like appreciative, flattered, but you're, you know, it's like, yeah, that's a big project. Maybe one day we'll get to that. Well, then all of a sudden we just had all this time and availability So we said, you know, we thought that was maybe two years from now, but why don't we see if that's what the Lord wants to do? And so we did. uh, We found a we found an agent. We uh, wrote up the book proposal and uh, B&H loved it, uh, picked up our offer and decided to partner with us on it. And here we are two years later. Mm -hmm. And so all of that, um, the Lord has kind of seen fit to allow it to, to be a book. That is, in in many ways, I think, the summary of some of our life's work in discipleship and worship up to this point. And mm-hmm, so the book, mm-hmm. when people are like, is this a worship book or a discipleship book, we're, we're just like, yes, <laughs> it's <laughs> sure. both. Um, yeah. And so it's fascinating to me uh, as a, a worship leader by trade. I'm a songwriter and worship leader with the Worship Initiative. Some people are probably familiar with the Worship Initiative or with Shane and Shane. Um, so Shane mm-hmm. and Shane started the worship initiative. Um, it was a, a resourcing company for worship leaders. Um, and about a year and a half ago, launched a new record label with like-minded artists that I came on to be a part of that as one of those artists. And so I write worship songs that, mm-hmm. uh, some of which you might sing in your churches. Um, I release music and I, I am an author now. So I release books as well. And just, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, my story is one of those of like, um, I just feel like these last few years, you know, my life up until that point was very predictable. And we're just kind of like following the Lord cloud by day, fire by night a little bit in this season. Sure. But it's been very rewarding. So it's been good. Yeah, no, that's great. And you're right. I think the kind of in the evangelical space in North America, there's this this mentality of even within church leadership of this either or of either discipleship, right, focus, or, or worship focus. And so yep. um, I was speaking with someone today, and that even plays out in, like, campus ministry. 
And it's like, do we, you know, there's somebody who has more of a worship kind of gifting and orientation, but the, the the next leadership, it does not, you know, exhibit that as much. And so it's like, how do you, I guess the question for you, right, is how do you, how did you guys start to kind of, I guess, A, kind of marry these two together, right, and complement these yeah. two components. But then also at the, on the other end, like, how did you kind of turn the event into something more, kind of more ongoing and formational, yeah. right? And I think we see a lot of movements happen, but I think what separates a movement from really like an organization or something a little more with, with legs is shifting right from that event mentality and having that, but having it kind of string together and create kind of a narrative. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, the first, the answer to the first part of your question is I think we refused not in like a, a rebellious way, but we just uh, didn't accept the, the type of thinking that was you're either a discipleship oriented person or you're a worship oriented person and some of that was because we loved both. You know, I'm a, I'm a worship leader standing on stage, writing songs, leading people. But I also love theology and I got a, a, you know, master's degree in seminary studying theology. And so sometimes people would talk about these things and I was like, wait, I like I like formational stuff, too. And I'm passionate about right. making disciples and teaching doctrine Um and we would really see it play out in our local context of like we would have a worship night and people would say things like, oh, the music people will go to that. They'll, they'll go to that event. And then we would have some hmm. sort of yeah. you know, lecture or teaching series. And it's like, oh, the discipleship people will go to that. Right. Right. And we were just like, wait, you guys, like, um, can you be a true disciple without being a worshiper? Hmm. That was the one of the questions that I would ask. And I would I was going now. I don't mean someone who loves worship music. I mean, someone who's in love with Jesus and worship is your uh, default posture toward following him. And I would just go like that feels like very fundamental when I'm looking at the scriptures that to follow Jesus was to um, was to submit my life to his leadership and ultimately to uh to like bow at his feet as God, you know? And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there, so there's just this worship posture that I feel like should infiltrate all discipleship, doctrine, um, theology, and then vice versa, you know? Like for people, for me, I'm around a ton of musicians. They came into the church, many of them, because they were good at guitar or they were a great keyboard player. Um, or maybe they were raised in the church, but like that's how they got involved in church leadership. Mm-hmm. And um, and so at times they wouldn't engage with doctrine or, you know, like some of the more like mind oriented things that we would do because they they would just they would think, oh, that's for those type of people. Mm-hmm. And so I began to like challenge that a little right. bit and go, hey, guys, like doctrine is not just for um you know, people that like to meet at 6 a.m. at Starbucks to, to read books together. Like it's for us musicians, too. And we mm-hmm. can learn, we can grow. And uh, what we started seeing was when we did that, it it just created a flurry of spiritual growth. Suddenly you've got these musicians that are mm-hmm. becoming like well acquainted with scripture and theology and they're discussing maybe some of the deeper aspects of our faith that hmm. 
had not been a part of their faith journey up to that point. And so they're seeing a lot of spiritual growth. And then eventually you've got some of these people, for instance, like one, one really cool story was an elder in our church who had been a, a founding planter. And he said to me, uh, I think he was like 84 years old when he said this. Um, he was like, this event uh, made me realize that for 40 years of my life, my quiet time with the Lord has been largely a, a checklist, a task list. Hmm. And he's like, it's it's not that I haven't grown from that. He said, but what God's doing in my life now at 84 is he's teaching me what it's like to just wake up and be with him. Hmm. And I thought, I mean, one, I just thought, wow, how much humility does it take for an 84-year-old elder in our church, highly respected individual, to say, God's still teaching me stuff? Um, Mm -hmm. And for him, it was, uh, the way I would talk about that is he was orienting a little bit more as a worshiper. And and so, Hmm. again, that's when I say we kind of backed into this book idea was we started seeing this fruit. And it's almost like we worked ourselves backwards. We're like, what's causing this growth? What's God doing here? And we're realizing, oh, we're pulling back together things that the scripture is never meant to be separate, uh, head and heart being one of them, spirit and truth. And um, and so people would say to us at the end of a conference, because, you know, our conferences are two days. They would say something like, Hey, I, I just really loved the the content and the experience of this weekend. What do I do until next year's conference? And thankfully, there's you know we would have a, a whole list of books and things like that. But we eventually were like, you know, we should try to start resourcing these people. That's what ultimately led us to uh, when you mentioned like a movement that that becomes something with more legs on it. That's really mm-hmm. what led to that was how do we how do we offer resources to meet people where they are mm-hmm. but to help them grow, you know, Monday through Friday, not just at an annual event. Sure. And um that's kind of what we've been up to ever since. Yeah. No, you're right and I think most people come to understand one aspect of the the like their life in in Christ or the understanding and really the nature of God right and yep. then as you're growing you're like wait a minute this I'm not just this person but there's this yep. this totality of right of the wholeness and this really kind of translates into your book here and um I love how you kind of there's these two right we love polarities or polar things these days and so embracing the them both seems to be a challenge like it's almost and so we we have a good idea we like to bifurcate or kind of dichotomize these right and so we have head and heart spirit and truth uh, and then you mentioned as well being and doing and then saint and sinner just a couple of the um these kind of contrasts and so yeah i think these these are these are huge and so can you talk i know you talk a little about leanings we kind of lean one way or the other but how do we, how have you kind of come to a good understanding of kind of self-diagnosing that, but then also how do we then embrace the other one when it can seem kind of like there's a resistance to do that? Yeah, great questions. Um, a mentor of mine, he he always would say one of the key questions of discipleship is answering the question, why do I do what I do? <laughs> and you think about that, and that's kind of what the self-diagnosis is, is 
we can't really integrate something that we don't know we've separated. And so I think one of the hopefully helpful things that our book does is help people know where they're starting from. And so one of the one of the things we talk about a lot in the book is this idea of leaning. And we we talk about three primary ways, but uh, one of the big ones being we all lean based on personality typing. Um, And this is not a bad thing. This is how God created us. But just recognizing that um, we all have some preferences, personal preferences, that if we're not careful, we can set up our personal preferences as how everyone else should be. Um, And then the, the even worse thing that we can do is we can say, hey, this is my personal preference. And I'm also not I'm going to neglect or because I lean this way, for example, because I lead towards head and truth, um, I'm going to kind of neglect heart and spirit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, this is one of the examples of there's we need both. And when we tend to neglect one at some point in a lot of people's lives, I would say maybe most people, if not all people's lives, when you neglect part of who you are for an extended period of time, you will eventually run upon dry ground in your spiritual walk. You will find some sort of dead end and you will be reading scripture and uh, you'll be trying to do it apart from the spirit of God, for example. And you, you'll, it'll, people have this experience where they're like, I'm doing what my pastor told me I'm supposed to do. I know I'm supposed to read the Bible, but like I'm not experiencing it or I'm not it's I'm not growing in the way that I want to grow. Like or people would say to us, Jesus said that this life was supposed to be abundant. And I it feels like my life is way away from abundance, you know. And again, so we would start asking questions and we would find out, oh, like um, you're you're reading scripture in a specific way that sometimes just reading it in a slightly different manner is will open you up a little bit more to the work of the Holy Spirit and suddenly boom growth so for an example right. a lot of people this is I would fall into this category um, for a long time Bible reading was primarily uh, I wouldn't say it was academic but it could lean toward an academic exercise um, I, I love study and so I'm I'm one of those, you know, I love looking into the Old Testament, finding all the connections to the New Testament. Like the Bible's fascinating to me. Um, and so I can get a lot of enjoyment out of like studying it deeply. What came less natural for me was meditating upon or slowly digesting a small amount of scripture. And so at some point in my journey, um, I began to feel dry and my uh, my mentor, uh, mm-hmm. kind of like spiritual counselor, I guess you could say, pastor, he just said, hey, have you ever, it was actually after I finished seminary. So I had gone through a really intense four years of learning a lot. And he just said, hey, have you ever thought about for the next couple of months, just waking up, taking one verse of scripture and meditating and praying about that verse all week? Mm-hmm. That was like such a stretch for me. (laughs) Yeah, because I was used to volume of content going through. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna read a chapter a day. I'm gonna read a psalm a day, and and so what I began to realize was uh, quality 
was as important in a, in that season of life for me as quantity was. Hmm. And I began to to feel alive again in the Lord. And what it what it forced me to do was to talk to God a little bit more and to pray and to bring my concerns and, and honestly my emotional life to the Lord mm-hmm. and the scripture at the same time. And so that's just like a really practical example of how if we're not careful, we have our leanings, we have our strengths, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but like we neglect another part of who we are, which for me was the spirit um, of God, which all, I think all Christians believe that the spirit of God, we can't even truly interpret and understand the scriptures without the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of functionally pretending that I could. And so I needed some sort of spiritual practice that would help me integrate more. And when I did that, I began to experience more flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not to tell the whole story, but my yeah. wife's story is kind of the opposite of that. She's she's more of a feeler. Myers-Briggs, she's like 80% feeler. I'm like 80% thinker. <laughs> so, you know, sure. we come to decision making and things a lot different. For her, she would her natural default would be to wake up and listen to worship music and pray. Mm-hmm. And when she gets in really dry seasons, she has to tell herself, I need to study, I need to read. Um, I need to really dive deeper into God's word. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing that's more natural for me, but that's the thing that will bring her life. And so again, right, it's the right. integrating of the both and sure. um that is that is just there's something powerful to it. I don't know how to explain it other than I think that's how God has set it up. I think that's how he's described it to us in his word. And like you mentioned, we just have a tendency to separate the two. Yeah. No, it's good. And I, I was kind of start where you you started in that the sense of we don't fully know until we know. Like you're right. Like when I got married, I like to receive love or like I connected on a particular way. Right. And I thought that that was the normative experience for my wife. Right. And she's like, no, like I don't experience. And so I would, I would give her gifts. Like I wanted to get gifts. Do you know what I'm saying? And you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. And it's just because and it it is, it's taking that step back. And I think it's really using that kind of reflective muscle. Like, well, wait, you know, people are connect, connect to God on different levels. And like similar, like I love, small group or one-on-one relationships all the formational discipleship things in my life were in the format of relationships small group and so like the big gathering for me is like i'm like come on like life is six days of the week you know the other six days of the week but for some people there and i'm beginning to get like you know like the big gatherings the the teaching that's where they're they're zoomed in and they prefer and they're leaning and oriented that way and so just, yeah, it's just really fascinating when you kind of start to look at these different dynamics and you're examining them. Um, and even the being versus doing, right? Like just the, oh, yeah. the Bible download, right? It's like, let me just get to this. Let me get to my four chapters a day rather than yeah. like this this one chapter might be mo- way more. God's presence may be way more tangible and it may change me more just than just meditating here. So I love that. Um, totally. You're exactly right. And I was, no, I was just thinking too, you know, I think... Um, one of the challenges, yeah, is that, you know, since the enlightenment, we like to, we look into ourselves, And I mean, that's, that's been from the beginning of creation, but it certainly has been accentuated. And so seeing the other side and seeing the importance of 
entering into that can be challenging. And so do you, how do you, how have you kind of looked at worship? I I've come to this sense that worship is more encompassing than just worship music. I know you mentioned at the beginning, it's not just worship music. Um, so I kind of looking at the, you know, you can look at the Hebrew and Greek of the word worship, but it would love to hear Mm -hmm. kind of how youth kind of see worship and the totality of that. Yeah, that's a, um, I would say if I was going to come now to any specific passage, I think as the book does, I would go back to the Shema, Deuteronomy six, the great commandment. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, this is one of those passages that I think, unfortunately, we get we hear it a lot it gets taught a lot we can tend to like um put it on the shelf you know like a john 316 and not not digest it but like it's it's potentially the greatest memorized and uh quoted and prayed verse of the bible in historically you know mm-hmm. especially for the jewish people and so what does it mean what does it mean to worship i think is what does it mean to learn to bring your whole self hmm. to God and offer it, offer all that you are to him. Uh, Tim Mackey with the Bible project, they do some really great word studies uh, where they mm-hmm. dive down into each of the Hebrew words and Greek words for, you know, heart, strength, and soul hmm. in the, in the Hebrew. And um, how Tim summarizes is he's like, this is not a word. I'm making up a word. Um, here he's he goes it's to bring your muchness and i kind of like that made up word because it's like to learn how to bring all of our intellect our imagination our decision making our soul like our our will um our literal physical bodies and strength so in how that we serve the world and meet people's needs like Hmm. he's like it's it's actually all of that Um, that is biblically what worship is. And then we get into some of these more practical ways of like, how does this play out um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in worship services and things like that. But as it pertains to the book, I think the question for all of us is what parts of who you are have you not offered to God as worship yet? And that's a really exciting way to think about it to me because it's Hmm. like there are still gifts that I have that I can give to God in worship that I can, I can learn, you know, like I can learn how to worship him more fully. Hmm. And so it's, it's like a, it's like a positive way of looking at it instead of feeling, you know, like, Oh man, like I'm, I'm such a failure at worship. I think the Lord's like, Oh no, you're going to spend your whole life learning how to give more of yourself uh, to me as an offering of worship. And so that's an exciting possibility. To be honest, it's a little bit easier to talk about than do, you know, because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we're all wired differently. That's what the book is about. Um, But I would just say for me, like serving has been a word that for, for my Christian life has gone I looked at it with really exciting possibilities when I was like in high school. I did a lot of overseas mission in high school and college. And then I was like, I viewed serving. I mean, I'm just being honest here. Like there were there were times in my Christian walk where I didn't get excited about serving other people. And that wasn't like a go to spiritual gift for me. And then now in this season of life, I'm recognizing, oh, mm-hmm. man, maybe one of the most fulfilling things I can do in life is serve other people. Right. So I feel like I'm in a season right now of recognizing 
that my my physical capacities are a great way that I can worship God. And um, as I'm doing, as I'm learning to do that, it's like bringing me life. And so I think mm-hmm, for each mm-hmm. person to just think, okay, what what parts of who I am do I need to like tap into to bring more worship to God? Right. And that's a fun and exciting possibility. Totally. Right, because there's, I mean, our, our whole self, is so complex and there's so many yes. aspects. And so I mean, even thinking of our work is an act of worship. Absolutely. Right? And a lot of people don't think that, you know, there's, the, no, that's, and that's there's a great point. Yeah. And there's so many different examples too, but like, that's one I, a lot of folks today, right. Spend a lot of hours in work and the, the, there is mm-hmm. a disconnection between work and how it relates to the gospel and the kingdom here. And so, um, yeah. And so there, there certainly is um, a focus on that. And I think, there's this, this growing sense of the connection between our faith and work, right? Um, but totally is an, an area that we don't always bring fully to God. It's once I clock in, I'm a different, you know, I'm a different person. And I don't know if God always wants us to uh, to be that way, you know? Yeah, um, no, that's a great, that's a really great um, way of thinking about it and talking about work. Because I think one of the statistics I saw recently was like 80, we spend 80% of our time in our vocation, most most of us. And I think this really uh, interplays with the idea of being and doing, which we talk about in the book. Mm-hmm. And the invitation, I think, for all of us around work, like you're mentioning, is to recognize um, that God is interested in, in spending all of our day with us. Yeah. And the exciting part of that to me is like even the boring or mundane parts, you know, so for the stay-at-home mom he's in the dishes and the diapers and all of that for the dad who's like uh, maybe traveling it's like he's he's on the flights he's a part of every detail of the of the mm-hmm. job for mm-hmm. college students he's like he cares and maybe that's one of the things that worship music has really done a disservice to us in some ways is like kind of taught us that god's only in the, the hyperactive moments hmm. And so sometimes for me, it's a struggle to feel like God's a part of the mundane, boring parts, the the everyday work parts right. of my life. Is, right. is he a part of my commute? <laughs> is he a part right. of that right. lunch meeting? And it's like, sure. yeah. And when I can when I can bring that into focus, like you're talking about, again, it gives purpose to everything that we're doing in a different way. And I think can lead to a, a different kind of satisfaction in the work that we do. Absolutely. No, I'd agree. There's something you mentioned too. I want to kind of pause and freeze that frame there with, uh, you said, you said functional. And I know in the book you mentioned embodied and perhaps they're slightly different, but there's, from my understanding, there's this sense of what we say isn't always what we do, right? Or what we believe isn't always how we act. And so would love just to hear your kind of unpacking yeah. of, of this concept and how it relates to our kind of formation. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I can't remember who said it, but um, some famous Christian that I read at some point said, basically made the statement of you really what you really believe is is how what you live your life based on and what you actually do. Um, I think as that pertains to us um, in church ministry or leadership of any type is oftentimes we have beliefs. Uh, doctrines, if you will, that we're like, yeah, that's what I believe. 
but then if if you were to kind of take a snapshot of our life or our church's life over a long period of time um you might actually come to find out that functionally you don't believe that um you do on paper um Mm -hmm. but if someone were just following you around um like you know an example of this would be um what we we found this a lot around spirit and truth in our church Mm -hmm. where we we believed that god gifts people we believe that god empowers people Mm-hmm. We believe that he want he's in our planning and in our spontaneity, but the both and sure. Um, but pretty functionally, uh, we kind of lived as if we could do it all on our in our own strength and power, and um, so we started really trying to close that gap. And I think it's I think it's worth asking ourselves the question like, where are the areas in our lives that we on paper would believe X? But when we live it out, it looks like we believe why. And anytime that we find those gaps, um, we have to really like be honest. I mean, honesty is the key. We have to be honest to say mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. to say my life doesn't reflect exactly what I, I believe. Sure. And again, super practically for for my family moving to Dallas after being really rooted in a place, um, it's one of those of like, do we believe how God leads his people? You know, do we, we, we had a season of restlessness. Um, we sought the Lord in community. We had an opportunity. We prayed about it for a while. Um, we did all the things to discern, uh, the will of God in our life that, that we felt like were good and wise. And at some point we had to make the decision to, to believe in practice what we believed on paper which is these are ways that god leads people and um the difference is is that that requires faith um Mm -hmm. for us it there's always going to be a gap in those in those areas of our lives where we just have to we have to take the step not knowing exactly where it's going to lead and um that shouldn't surprise us because Mm -hmm. our our faith is faith, you know, it's in the unseen. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's a lot harder to live out than it is to write down, you know, on paper. Right. As you were talking, just getting this sense, there's a few things that came up to mind. I think James K. Smith writes this one book on you are what you love. Oh yeah. One of my favorites. Yeah. And so there's that sense, right. Of like what you love kind of show what you truly love, right. Is reflected in, in what you do. Right. Yeah, but then also that goes back really to to Augustine and to this sense, this understanding or concept of this disordered loves, right? Because of yeah. sin in the world, because of our priorities, we God isn't always our what we desire and seek and have the affection for. And yep. I, I just was reminded of Romans seven fifteen twenty here, and just read it for listeners. I do not understand what I do for or what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living within me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. Now if I want to do not what to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So it's very wordy, but 
Yeah, but, yeah, no. But yeah. I, I get it. The yeah. whole time you're reading that, I'm like, yeah, me, me too, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so yeah, no, I, this is this is all really good stuff. And so, hey, as kind of as we wrap up today, would love just for um, folks to they want to learn more about you, the book, um, dwell, everything that you're up to. Where can we um, stay up to date yeah. with, with all that? You, you can uh, you can find the book anywhere that books are sold. Um, you know, for those of you who are Amazon users, it's the it's a super quick way. Uh, you can also find more just information about the book at readhole.com. Um, my website is aaronwmusic.com. That has updates on both the book and music stuff that I'm doing. Um, and yeah, that's a great way to stay connected and loved our conversation today. Hope mm-hmm. it's helpful for people trying to integrate these parts of their lives. And uh, maybe mm-hmm. just in closing, maybe specifically for anyone listening who feels like you're in that like dry or apathetic place, which there's grace for that because we all get there at times. Um, I think my encouragement is to, to think about, are there areas of your spiritual life that you've been neglecting and how could you integrate mm-hmm. them? It very well may be a simple practice of integration that can lead to more flourishing and growth. Yeah. Amen. Thanks for the encouraging word and appreciate, um, yeah, this conversation as well. It's something that I think a lot of us has been thinking, but it, it takes courage and takes time to, to put it on pen, pen on paper here. And so this is, this is impactful and, um, hope that people can integrate their faith a bit more. So thank you, Aaron. You're welcome.